This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Just how big is this game at Heinz Field on Sunday for your Pittsburgh Steelers folks? Well, let's just say if they lose, they will be three games back in the loss column of the lead in the AFC North, and they will be four games back in the win column in the AFC North. Sheesh. A.K.A. it'd be dire straits as far as the AFC North is concerned if the Baltimore Ravens get this win. Four games back in the win column with only five games left on your schedule. Shoot, that's looking like you got to win out to even have a prayer. To even have a prayer to get in via the AFC North winner. So... This is for all the marbles. I think last week you could have made the case that that was for all the marbles as well. And woof, did the Steelers come out and lay an egg. But you get a chance to turn the page and rewrite your own history as early as just seven days in this league. And they'll try to go out there against the Baltimore Ravens, put up a great effort. And if they can steal a win, well, then I will still come in here on Monday and say, yes, they are alive for the AFC North. But it has to be a win and a loss would almost certainly drive the stake in the heart as far as that's concerned. Now, can they make the wild card even if they lose? Yes, they still could. They would still be alive in that race. But Tomlin always likes to set goals, you know, win the home games, win your division games, win your division. He hasn't been doing that, though. No, he has not, and this is your real last chance to stay alive in that race for that win the division goal. The last couple of weeks, Tom, with – LA and Cincinnati I've been able to sit here on Wednesday and on Friday and say to myself you know I could see X Y or Z these variables going in favor for the Steelers and I can convince myself that they're going to win on Sunday against the Chargers and they're going to win on Sunday against the Bengals I can't seem to do that this week though which usually is right when the Steelers win the game and pull the upset when everybody (laughs) thinks that it's all over but that the problem is like it felt like this before the Cincinnati game. Like, after the Chargers loss, yeah, it was upsetting, but there was still some, well, you know, at least the offense looked pretty good moments in that game. And, well, they scored the most points that they've scored offensively in the entire season in that game against the Chargers. So even though they had the lead late, blew it, and it was a very somber tone after that game, there was still some hope involved. And not only hope, I think downright optimism for that Bengals game coming up and seemed like the total Steelers thing to do to wake up, make the game really ugly against Cincinnati, kind of like they did against the Browns earlier this year. Completely stymie the running attack, uh, make the Bengals try to beat you ugly and then pull out a big win on the road. But instead, they just got run over by a Mack truck. So that's why I'm a little worried about how I feel this is the same kind of deal heading into the Ravens game where, oh, it's your rival, oh, it's at home, backs up against the wall. You know I love those back-up-against-the-wall kind of games in the NFL. Your back has never been farther up the wall up until until this point. You're going through the wall if you don't win this football game. So all the signs point to, I don't want to say a Steelers win, but they point to a very competitive football game. But last week was the same thing, and they got blown out. So I'm a little nervous at how comfortable I feel with it being a close game right now. But I'm still going to hold that thought until the game happens. I mean, it's the Steelers-Ravens. I'll always think it's going to be close no matter what. But 
oh yeah, there's some more nerves than usual uh, that it would be a blowout in the favor of the Baltimoreans uh, on my part. No question about that. I usually these games are close, right? Between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, Always close. these teams respect each other. I think Harbaugh and Tomlin, like it, they're either tied or one has one more win. Like they just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You rarely see a season sweep. I think the last time you saw a sweep was by the Steelers last year. Last year, but. Without COVID, you don't really know how that series goes. They almost didn't sweep them even with COVID. So, I have this for you, Tom. In the 29 matchups between Tomlin and Harbaugh since becoming the head coaches of the respective franchises, 29 games, 21 have been decided by seven points or less. Yeah, it's the most prolific it's rivalry. The best, it's the best rivalry in NFL, and it's not even close over the last... 15 years, I'd say, since 2007 when, when Mike Tomlin came in, 2008, the next year when Harbaugh came in. I'll, I'll even say since 1996 when the Ravens started being a team. I know the Steelers won a lot of those matchups early as the Ravens were starting to get rolling. But by 2000, they were Super Bowl champions. That's what I mean. The Ravens were hitting the ground running real fast as far as the franchise and is then concerned. And then even though that there was no bend between that 2000 to 2004 era, the Steelers were making AFC playoff runs, games. championship, championship hosting games. Yeah. championship yes. games for that matter. So, yeah, I mean, for the better part of the last, what, 30 years, you could say it's the best rivalry in all of football. But, gosh, Tom, there have been, as, as pointed out by that, that, that figure I just laid out there of the last 30 or so games, I'm, I don't know if I've ever felt so insecure about one up until this point. And... The only other times I felt this bad about a Ravens week is when it was Charlie Batch starting or it was Dennis Dixon starting. And I don't think Dennis Dixon ever won a game. I remember Charlie Batch, Charlie won, Batch that won the game. Yeah. Miraculous game uh, on the road in Baltimore. Luckily, this one, Ben Roethlisberger will be starting and it will be at Heinz Field. But man, Tom, it just doesn't. I have no sense of. of I don't, I, I, confident. I mean, confidence is even too strong of a word because confidence implies that I feel good about the game. I have no sense of comfort whatsoever in any aspect. Well, is it because the Ravens have such a prolific rushing offense and the Steelers can't stop a nosebleed oh, it's, as far it's as it absolutely the both. Run? You have to include both. Well, I, yeah, I think those we, two go we hand always in talk, hand. We always talk about the term an immovable object means an unstoppable force. What's the opposite of that? An, an unstoppable force meets an incredibly movable object. Right. Because that's what's happening on Sunday. The Ravens are the second best rushing offense in the entire NFL. The Steelers have given up 722 rushing yards over their past four games. That's, I'm not even going to look it up, and I'm just going to say it. That's got to be the worst in the NFL. So, yeah. Uh, this is a battle between strengths and weaknesses, and the Ravens have to be licking their chops because it kind of plays exactly into the type of game plan that they want so i get what you're saying because on paper nothing about this game really matches up in the favor of the steelers the ravens can run the ball really well and the steelers can't stop the run the ravens on defense are terrible against the pass but they're one of the best against the run steelers really can't pass the ball that well this year and to be quite honest in the past few weeks they haven't been able to run the ball that well either uh, that Chargers game, be damned, where Ben had one of his best performances of the year. I guess you could try to find some optimism and say, hey, he did it against the Chargers' pass defense, who's a lot better than the Ravens' pass defense. Maybe at home at Heinz Field, he can light up this Ravens' pass defense, and you can put points up on the board by moving the ball through the air. But 
it kind of feels to me like that Chargers performance was the outlier and not the norm. Absolutely. And I mean, we saw, what, 24 points going in the fourth quarter? The only time that franchise has ever done that? And I just don't see Ben Roethlisberger really turning back the clock a lot more than just one or two games this year. So I guess maybe this will be the second game. You have to hold your breath and hope for that because if not— you ain't going to run the ball on these guys. That's La- for damn sure. Last year, when the Steelers started 11-0 and then sputtered and the offense became the worst in football, there was one performance by Ben that was memorable, and that was the Indianapolis Colts game. But as you mentioned, Tom, similar to the Chargers game, it was an outlier. An outlier is is one isolated incident. I don't see Ben going twice in, what, three weeks having this monstrous performance. Especially if there's no running game to supplement him. Right. I don't think that you can be successful at Ben's advanced age without a nice helping dose of the rushing attack and keeping the defense off balance. And I know that they didn't really run the ball prolifically against the weakest run defense in football, save maybe the Steelers now, Mm -hmm. in the L.A. Chargers, but still was able to find some space and find some, you know, not continuity, but... We're able to find a, new, a decent enough balance on offense that allowed Ben to see some success in the passing game. 275 yards, three touchdowns. Again, I just don't think that, A, you're going to be able to run the ball on the Ravens if you even try to. And, B, much like they did against the Bengals, I'm not going to be shocked if I, don't, if I see the Steelers just choose not to run. Absolutely. That's been the problem all year long is the fact that your winning formula is there except you continue to neglect it. And you go up against these teams, Tom, against Detroit, against the Chargers, against the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens, what do you want to say about their run defense? They're second in the league. They're they second in the league. 84 yards per game. Brandon Williams is a really good nose tackle. Exactly. Calais Campbell's a good end. He's hurt, but we'll see. He might play. I mean, so it, when the Ravens have the you second— you want me to say anything more? Or? When the Ravens have the second-best run defense, but the worst passing defense— the Steelers are going to look at that and say, well, that's exactly what we want to do. Except that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. or you It's the exact opposite of what you have supposed to be doing all year long, right? The, 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 the whole point of drafting Najee Harris in the 24th overall pick was to turn your offense into a run-first offense. And when you get him 39 yards against the Chargers and I think what? 20 yards against the Chargers, something like that, Twenty or against the Bengals last week. This is just, it, 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 it's it's feeding right into the offensive mind of Matt Canada, but it's not the right mind that should be, should be used. The Steelers throw the ball 63.9% of the time. That is extremely high in the NFL. You just said that their MO needs to be as a running offense. Well, They've been the exact opposite as far as the percentage breakdown is concerned. I mean, it's 60-40 uh, that they're passing over running. It should be 60-40 that they're running over passing. We've, mm-hmm. said that, we've said that figure so many times dating back to the preseason where we've been like 60-40 has got to be the balance at minimum. We were at saying minimum. that before the draft even happened when we weren't even sure that Najee Harris or even Travis Etienne or uh, Javante Williams would have been on this team. We were saying that with the mindset that it's going to be Benny Snell, Tony Mack, whoever else, Kalen Balazs, once, we, once the Steelers signed him. We were saying that with those guys as, as, the, as the, the carousel of running backs that would, be, that would have been available to this team. 
The only offenses that pass the ball at a higher percentage than the Pittsburgh Steelers do. See if these make sense to you. I'd love to. Because I bet you I can't make sense of it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They may, that makes sense. That makes that they sense. would pass the ball a lot more. The Los Angeles Chargers. That makes pretty good sense that they would pass the ball at a high percentage. The Kansas City Chiefs shouldn't be passing the ball a lot, should they? I don't think they have a quarterback. That's I don't really think so, nor do they have receiving that. options. The other team out of the four that are ahead of the Steelers as far as passing the ball more than running the ball, the New York Jets. What? Well, what? I, I don't know what's going on anymore. What? Well, Michael Carter's been hurt. What? Right, Michael Carter's been hurt. What? Kevin Coleman's been hurt, I think. The but Jets and the Steelers are two teams that don't belong with the other three in that When group. I said let me try to make it make sense is the fact that those teams make sense. The Steelers have no business being up with those other teams. I with could Tampa even Bay, give it with Kansas City. I could even make the argument for the Jets however loose it would be just being over like, the Steelers. He's a rookie, just see how he can go. He was a gunslinger at BYU. Let's gunsling it up here in New York and you know, trial by fire baby, Zach Wilson, let's see what you can do. But with the Steelers, you don't even have that kind of built-in excuse where you can say, well, he's a young quarterback and he's got all the talent in the world, so let's just try to take the leash off here in this season that's already a lost season and let's sling the ball all around the schoolyard. No. Like, you don't even have that with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no built-in, like, reasoning that you can find for throwing the ball over 63% of the time other than just poor game planning and poor execution of how your offensive identity should be because it should be on the ground absolutely but here we are facing up against the second best run defense after playing against detroit who had what the 31st and then going to san diego sorry la la to play the chargers the 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 32nd and you had how many rushing yards against those teams and then you turn the page and top 10 Bengals, top five ravens i mean gets a lot harder so it's just, it's. I hate to say this, Tom. I I hate to to use a, a a Tomlinism against him, but it sounds like they're just they're they're living in their fears when it comes to the run game. That's exactly right. They are living in their fears. They I think are a little concerned about Najee Harris, not as far as his ability to play football at the NFL level, but the wear and tear that's already been on his body as a rookie. I mean. I think that's evident when you see in the Bengals game, it's still just 10 to nothing, and it's the first half, and Benny Snell's getting a carry on a first down play to start a series. I think the Steelers are starting to see a little bit of fatigue take place with Najee Harris, and I would be lying to you guys if I said I didn't kind of see the same thing, but how can you expect him when you know he's going to hit a rookie wall of some sort anyway because it's just natural for rookies to do. He's played, including preseason, about 15 games right now. That's the max you'd ever play in college football. Bama plays 14 that's every if you, year. That's if you play your entire regular season, conference you play your conference championship game, and then playoff, you play the playoffs. Win the semis and, then and play it to the finals. Then right? you earn a 15th game on the season. So he'd have to run the table to play as much as he has right now, but normally he's only playing 12, 13 games. And at this point, after conference championship weekend back in college, these guys have months of, or not months, but a month off before they have to play again. They get time to rest, time to practice. Rehabilitate. Right. So you don't get that in the NFL. There's no month pause break. You get a bye week, which Nodge already had back in October, and now it's full steam ahead. You're 
going every single week, including a short week coming up after this Ravens game where you got to turn right back around and play on Thursday night on the road. So you got the rookie wall to deal with just naturally already, and then you couple in the fact that he has had to become Barry Sanders so many times this year just to get back to the line of scrimmage. There's right. been it's so not, much it's penetration. Not even, it's not even 10 yards down the field. It is just to get positive or net zero yards. And that's got to wear physically, of course, because he's getting hit constantly. But mentally, it's got to be a little bit of an anguish now where it's like, damn, every week I'm fighting for my life out here. It feels like I've fought and, and clawed my way so hard to 100-yard games. I look up at my score sheet and I only have 39 yards because I'm gaining 100 yards. But it's always just trying to get myself back to that line of scrimmage and dodge raindrops because this line is just letting so much penetration through. And all these gaps that I'm supposed to go through are all plugged. I am not taking anything away from Najee Harris. I think that dude is a freak, and I really hope that in time this offensive line can develop to allow him to become and reach his full potential. But that dude had a great offensive line in Alabama. Think about that. I, I You know my argument for Matt Maybe Jones. Maybe a better offensive line than the Steelers oh, have right one, now. I, pff, I, I think 100%. Like you take all those college kids right now and plug them in? I a thousand percent. I take five rookies. Even Leatherwood. Uh, Leatherwood's been had, Leatherwood's been the most questionable, but give me five Alabama guys over Chooks and even Banner, who is arguably the best option the Steelers have this year. Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson. Give me those five boys in red and crimson over the guys in black and gold. And Najee Harris is not. You won't see Najee Harris for the rest of the season sitting on the sidelines rubbing his forehead in anguish and frustration and, and and total disbelief at the lack of his own production. In the game against the Bengals, Najee Harris played 32 of a possible 62 snaps on offense. Anthony McFarland, Kalen Balaj, and Benny Snell combined for 27 of those 62 snaps. So 32 snaps for Najee, 27 snaps for the committee of backup running backs. Basically split duty, 50-50 for mm. That game that was not happening earlier in the season, and maybe this had a little bit to do with the fact that the game was over pretty much before it even started. Don't want to get Najee Harris hurt too badly, so start spelling him a little bit more than usual. But it was ten nothing, and you already started to see the spell happening of him. So I'm really starting to wonder if you know last year Chase Claypool started to see his role kind of decreased as the season went on and the rookie wall hit. Got to wonder if you're starting to see the Steelers coaching staff treat Najee the same way. Maybe not because they want to, but because of what they're seeing in practice and what they're seeing on his game tape the past couple of weeks is that this dude's tired. This dude needs a little extra rest here. And, you know, he's played a full college season in his mind already, and he's still got five, potentially six, if you can scratch your way back into the playoff games, left, left to go on the season. So... I could see the Steelers in the back of their head starting to think, you know, I need to preserve Najee a little bit. Let's not lose sight of the fact that he's not just a one-year kind of thing. This is the future of this offense. This is going to be the cornerstone. No need to really run the wheels off of him in a year that, I hate to break it to you, Steelers Nation, but is getting more lost by the week. Tom, I don't want to be too negative here, but I think it might already be lost. Don't you say that. We bite ha- bite we your tongue. Ha- we have to keep hope here on this show because there is still hope alive. They win this game and they're right back in the division mix. It, it's wild to think that because of how bad this team has looked the past couple of weeks, dating back to the Detroit Lions, dating back to the Chicago Bears game, I would say on Monday night, because 
You expected to run over that 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 rookie quarterback Justin Fields Monday night Heinz Field. What an atmosphere! Tomlin typically doesn't lose those kind of games, and it went all the way to overtime. And it, and it and it you had the next week against the Detroit Lions the tie, which I'm gonna say it it's a loss. That's a loss. That's a loss. That and really then hurts. you have a really bad bad mental loss against the against the Chargers because you 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 put in that effort to come back by. Being down after being down by so much, and then the blowout by Cincinnati. That loss to the Lions too is just because if you're six and five right now and you win this game, you're a game back in the win column as far as the Ravens are concerned. Now the Ravens, I believe, no, they did have their bye week already, but only a game back in that in that win column, and only a game back uh, back in that loss column. If you just take care of business against the worst team in the NFL, so that tie absolutely is a loss because. Although in the moment when it happened that week, yeah, it, it kept them at the fifth it seed. It didn't hinder you too much. Ever since then, it's been the reason why you're it lasted, behind teams. It lasted one week yeah. that it didn't hurt you. Now you're behind the Raiders, Broncos, and Colts because of that tie. So congrats. You had a week of glory with that tie helping you out. Ever since then, it's been your detriment, and it will continue to be your detriment as you move forward towards the end of the year. A hundred percent. it'll be the, And, Tom, again, I don't want to sound too negative, it could be the detriment, but I think it won't even matter by by week eighteen. We'll be looking at that time saying, "Well, it also it doesn't feel great to see it, but it doesn't make a difference because we weren't we weren't close to making the playoffs." Well, one thing we can take solace in, I guess, is probably not going to get flexed to Sunday night football in week eighteen if things continue to roll along the way that they're rolling along. So. Bollocks for us. That's it's, great. it's good for us. Yeah, it's good woo-hoo. for you and me. Yippee. Uh, but as far as you know, following the Steelers are concerned, part of me wanted that to be the case because that would mean that you're playing for a playoff position. You're playing for maybe your AFC North championship that you're trying to defend this year. And let's not forget, Tom, in the past when the Steelers have been a bubble playoff team, they've done, they've gone out there and won games when it mattered in Week 16 and Week 17. They've done that. The only other time I can think that they haven't was in 2019, and it wasn't necessarily their fault because they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. You you couldn't really do too much by that point. But I'm, I'm thinking back to, like, 2012, 2013, 2014. There were years where they were truly a bubble team, and they did everything they could. 2014 was the only year they actually made it, but 2012, 2013, they won those games in Week 16 and Week 17 in order to put themselves in position it's just other teams also did the same, and they had that tiebreaker. They had the one-game lead, and they got in instead of the Steelers. So if it does somehow happen where the Steelers win this game and then the Steelers then down the line play host to the Cleveland Browns, they pull off that win, and they go up against the, the Derrick Henry-less Titans. They somehow pull off that win, and then it comes down to Week 18, Sunday night game, that game is flexed. It would not shock me if the Steelers game plan the hell out of that one and win that game. Well, that's just that's just the resiliency that this coach has and and the ability to 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 get that message across. And that and that's why Mike Tomlin is such a great coach at times. Well, first things first, got to take care of business, got to game plan the hell out of this game because right. all of that wonderful, wonderful scenario you just laid out does not come to fruition without taking the first mm. step towards it. This Sunday, four-and-a-half-point home underdog. That is rarefied air for the Steelers. They are 
very rarely home underdogs in general, but to be a four and a half point home underdog and the line's honestly moving in the wrong direction as far as the Steelers are concerned. That's that's crazy town, honestly, but that's where we stand right now currently with this team. And when you look at the Ravens, yeah, it's tough to really fathom how you're going to possibly be able to game plan mm -hmm. against this team and win. But again, the last time we were saying that was against the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the whole week leading up to that game was, how do you stop Nick Chubb? How do you stop the the play-action, roll-out passing game of Baker Mayfield and the Browns offense? How do you block Miles Garrett? How do you take that guy out of the game? How do you move the ball on that defense in Cleveland? And everything we were saying was, well, they can't. They can't do that. They can't do that. They can't do that. But then nope. they went out there and they stopped the run. And they made Baker Mayfield look pedestrian, which wasn't hard to do when you stopped the run. Miles Garrett only had, I believe, one sack in that entire game. And for the most part, they did a great job of avoiding him, getting Ben away mm -hmm. from him. And who could forget Najee Harris's big chip block on him on the last touchdown to Pat Fryermuth that won the game for the Steelers. It was key. Without that, Miles Garrett gets to Ben. So maybe you have this kind of repeat itself this week where you're saying, well, they can't stop the run well. The Ravens love to run the football. They're giving up a lot of deep balls in the passing game. Marquise Hollywood-Brown is one of the best at that in the NFL. Their Steelers are really injured in the defensive backfield, so that's really a problem tj watts on the COVID list right now not sure how he's going to be able to get back in time and rush the passer and effectively help neutralize lamar jackson uh, all of these things are working against the steelers offensively the best way to go out against the ravens is pass the ball and you can't do that so you got to try to run the ball while the ravens are great at running the ball and oops you haven't been able to do that either it's kind of like when everything i'm saying is against the steelers it's kind of like when you're in traffic right and you're in the center lane and you see the left lane moving slightly faster than yours. Oh, I hate it. And you and you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go to, to that lane. And then, uh oh, you stop as soon as you pull uh, in. Uh oh, and the then right that center lane. That center lane starts to move faster. Like, all right, let me get back over. Uh oh, now we're stopped. And now the right lane's moving faster. You just can't get around it. I have the worst luck with that kind of thing, but at concession stand lines at stadiums, oh. I, I always pick the worst oh. concession stand line. Like. I'll do a nice little scout announce, see who's the cashier ringing them up, and then I'll get in the one that I think is sometimes it's a little longer than the ones that are the shortest, but that's the but strategy you have to play. Sometimes. But I always I'll I'll pick the short ones, and then people will be lapping me in other lines, and then it's too late. Like you said with the car thing, is you're thinking to yourself, oh my god, do I jump lanes? Well, it's too late now because what if I move? And, and then everyone's move? judging you because you're you're zooming back and forth between <laughs> lanes <laughs> and. Just stay in your lane. Stay in your but lane. What, what lane is there to stay in for the Steelers? Well, here's what I would say on defense. Stay in your lane as far as your gap discipline is concerned and as far as your yeah. rush defense is concerned because you're going to face a lot of running plays this week, boys. And this team is licking their chops when it sees how porous you have been against the run lately. But number one has got to be stop the run. If you want to try to – pull a Cleveland Browns and wave your fairy wand and, and get a win when you absolutely have no business winning the game, it starts and stops with stopping the run, just like it did against the Browns and Nick Chubb. So if you can somehow grab that performance and channel it into this game, then I think everything else can start to unfold where you win. Uh, the first and foremost thing you have to do is try to contain Lamar Jackson and try to make sure that Freeman – or Murray don't just go crazy on you in the running game, much like DeAndre Swift did a couple weeks ago, much like Joe Mixon did last week. Both of those guys setting career highs mm -hmm. in rushing yardage 
when facing the Steelers' defense. So do not want to have a repeat performance against some guys that have been around the block a couple times and have pretty good career highs in rushing yardage. So don't, well, don't want to see one, them There's only that. one guy on Sunday who's going to have that threat, I think. A legitimate threat, because I think it's fair to say Latavis Murray and Devontae Freeman are over the hill. Yeah, but they still get a lot of run for them because they, do. they don't have anyone Well, they're else. a run-first team. And Freeman is averaging 4.3 yards per carry. He's starting to separate himself from uh, Murray, Murray as the guy. So, But they love to do 21, 22, 20 personnel, so sure. both of those guys or Ricard the fullback will be on the field a lot. And <laughs> that doesn't bode well. No. Especially when Ricard's 300 pounds and a little bit of a throwback. So... The Steelers' defensive line is having trouble getting off the ball and, you know, pushing back on the offensive line. We'll add a 300-pound extra block or fullback that's going to be clearing the way for Freeman or Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. and it's just more disaster that bodes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But above all, grade A, number one priority, a circle it a thousand times in all your meetings, Tomlin, stop the run. Because I think if you can neutralize the Ravens' rushing attack, Kind of everything else can fall into place for you to win this football game, but that's that's got to be the number one key. Absolutely, that's all you got. That's all you got. The stop in the run is absolutely. It's the biggest. You key. have to do it. Great, you're a, a phenomenal analyst. Well, anything I, th- else? I thought I thought you did a really good job. And I you want take one more. Away. You don't want any. You know what? You I, I, can I can I say something? I was wanting you to. Yes, I have. It's a, it's a I, I think it's, I think even though he's playing in the secondary, Mickey Fitzpatrick is absolutely crucial to stopping Lamar Jackson. Think back to last year okay, and think back like to this. 2019. I like this now. A lot of the times you saw Lamar start to scramble, Minka did that Minka-type thing where he just appears out of nowhere into your TV screen, and he can read that he's he's thinking run first rather than passing the ball. And, and Minka is, plays a big role in containing whatever rush Lamar has, whether it's designed or not designed. So I think with Minka not injured and not dealing with COVID, it's going to be a big help. It, obviously, you'd like to have T.J. Watt out there, but I seem to recall in the last two years when facing Lamar Jackson, Mickey Fitzpatrick's name being called out a lot. He, he had the one big force fumble against them, I think, two years ago. See, I, I knew you had something that you wanted to bring to the table. I just needed to pull your teeth a little bit to get it out. I like that take. And I do, I do think Mickey needs to do a lot, and he's had a lot on his plate all year long. So just, hey, pile some more on. Seconds, thirds, fourths, Minka. We need you to do a lot and be the eraser for us, especially in this game. A lot to get into still regarding the Ravens, especially when it comes to stopping that man number eight at the quarterback position. So keep an ear out for some other episodes that we're going to be doing today that you can listen to. But for now, that's going to do it for us here. That's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Steelers Standard.